Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. Thanksgiving this year is canceled. At least that was the reaction by a lot of people on social media after Governor Gretchen Whitmer's administration banned gatherings of more than two households at a time for the next couple of weeks. Of course, that doesn't mean people can't or won't celebrate the holiday while following the state's order. But it definitely puts a damper on a lot of the plans that I know people have been making. People may be disappointed, but there are plenty of reasons to believe that family gatherings around the holidays could accelerate infections at a time when COVID cases are already skyrocketing nationwide. Just across the Detroit River, Canadians celebrated their own Thanksgiving in the second week of October. Provincial, provincial and national leaders are now blaming family gatherings at that time for a major spike in COVID cases. Here to talk about what happened in Canada and the lessons we should be taking from it here in the U.S. is Amanda Coletta. She's a reporter who covers Canada for The Washington Post. Amanda, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So what happened in Canada during Thanksgiving? Were there a lot of family, large family gatherings? Were there a lot of people who disregarded warnings about social distancing and masks? Um, I guess a little from column A, a little from column B. Um, COVID cases actually started ticking upwards in much of Canada before Thanksgiving, so sort of similar to what um, you see in a lot of parts of the United States. In fact, it was at the end of September that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau actually addressed the nation in a sort of rare a primetime news conference and said we might need to cancel Thanksgiving in order to have a shot at Christmas. So that was at the end of September and Thanksgiving was October 12th. So you already sort of had cases surging in much of Canada and then Thanksgiving came along and sort of um, accelerated the spread in some parts of the country. So it's not entirely to blame, but it is sort of one of, of many culprits. And um, public health officials, particularly in Western Canada, which saw sort of few cases in the spring, um, have said that they know from contact tracing that a lot of the cases in the first couple of weeks after Thanksgiving were tied to gatherings over that weekend. Mm. So how big was the spike in cases after? What are we talking about here? Um, it's really hard to say because in parts of Canada, uh, contact tracing and testing was already overwhelmed before Thanksgiving. A lot of provincial governments um, did not use a summer of relatively low case counts to sort of beef up testing and tracing, and so they were already sort of having to restrict who could get a test. Um, in Ontario, for instance, um, they said only people with symptoms could get tests um, sort of a couple of weeks after school started because testing systems were so overwhelmed. In Toronto, which is Canada's largest city, they sort of stopped contact tracing except in really high-risk situations uh, in the middle of September. So um, the numbers on how many of those cases are directly tied to Thanksgiving aren't uh, readily available because uh, Testing and tracing is, is so 
overwhelmed. Um, in the cases where people have been able to trace, they, they've sort of said that's been coming up a lot. Um, they've, they've given a few examples. So in Vaughan, which is a, a suburb outside of Toronto, um, they linked, they said at least 13 cases were tied to a Thanksgiving gathering, and that included a few in, infants as well as um, co-workers of, of one of the people who tested positive who went to work while symptomatic and, mm. and spread it there. So um, there, there aren't exactly great numbers, but you do see a bit of an acceleration after the holiday. So, so give us a sense of what the COVID pandemic has been like in Canada and how it compares to what we're, what we're experiencing here uh, in the U.S. We've done a little bit on our show this year looking just across the river in Windsor, um, but, but we haven't talked a whole lot about what the differences might be between uh, Canada and the U.S. As it, re- as it regards just the disease generally. So I think in Canada, a lot of evaluation of the country's response um, tends to be impacted or distorted by the fact that the country shares a border with the United States, which um, maybe hasn't responded in the best way to the pandemic. Um, I think Canada's response, most infectious disease experts would say, has been sort of middle of the road. Mm. So it's done better than the United States. I think when I checked this morning, Canada or the United States has four times the number of cases per capita than Canada and a little over two times the number of deaths per capita. Um, In the spring, Canada basically... um, Ontario and Quebec were the provinces that were most impacted by the coronavirus. Um, They accounted for almost 80% of Canada's cases, and um, 80% of Canada's deaths were also in long-term care homes and nursing homes, which um, were so badly impacted that the federal government had to uh, deploy soldiers essentially to hard-hit nursing homes in Ontario and Quebec to help with staffing and and just general care of the residents. And they were so troubled by what they saw that they filed sort of like a whistleblower report on all of the terrible conditions um, that they witnessed while they were there. Um, Now, during this wave, it's not just Ontario and Quebec that are impacted. It's pretty much everywhere west of Quebec, mm. although even the Atlantic uh, provinces, which formed a travel bubble over the summer, are now seeing some cracks in it. Um, but Western Canada in particular is seeing uh, a real resurgence in cases. And um, as we're sort of seeing in parts of the United States and even Europe, um, most leaders are sort of hesitant to, to you know, lock down as, as much as they did in um, the spring, they're trying to use sort of more targeted measures in hard-hit areas that will do less damage to the economy. Although um, now in in Ontario, in Toronto, and some of the suburbs outside of it, uh, they are locking down again beginning today for 28 days, um, just as they were in the spring, although schools are remaining open for now. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm talking with Amanda Coletta, Washington Post reporter who covers Canada. We're talking about Thanksgiving in that country, which happened 
last month and how uh, the the reaction uh, to Thanksgiving and the fact that people did get together maybe a little more than they should have uh, has possibly at least led to a new COVID spike. We're talking about that, of course, because it's Thanksgiving week here in America. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what your plans look like for Thanksgiving. Have they changed at all since the state banned gatherings of more than one household at a time for the next three weeks, uh, actually more than two households. Uh, do you plan to defy those orders? Uh, are you just going ahead and doing Thanksgiving the way that you normally would uh, because uh, you think that the risk doesn't really uh, apply to you and your family or is not as great as the state says it is? Or are you happy to limit your gatherings in order to keep the virus from spreading to loved ones? Uh, do you think the state is doing the right thing by telling people not to get together in large numbers during uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the Facebook page here at WDET or to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Annette in Detroit. Annette, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. How are you? Thank you. Well, I work at a healthcare facility in Detroit, and of course, half and half are Americans and Canadians. Hmm. Uh, I have spoken to both, and yes, half of the approximately half of the Canadians did have Thanksgiving uh, in mixed large groups, and my coworkers in America will do the same. Hmm. I do have a curiosity question mm-hmm. in Windsor. Uh, I do not know if they have the same or similar versions of uh, people of color, just, you know, to know if they could be more exposed type of thing. Right. Or healthcare situation. Yeah. Thank you. No, uh, Annette, uh, great question, and I, I really appreciate uh, the call. Uh, Amanda, here in the United States, of course, communities of color have been hit much harder by covid than other communities. There are lots and lots of reasons for that. We've spent a lot of time on this show this year really talking about some of those reasons. But but give us a sense of, uh, you know, Canada and its own diversity and and whether that same pattern has unfolded there. Um, that is a question I would love to have an answer to. Hmm. Canada's data collecting practices around the coronavirus have been pretty abysmal. So, Um, We don't have a lot of great data indicating to what extent um, people of color have been impacted more or less than um, other Canadians. But I can say sort of in, um, you know, in in past uh, epidemics here, um, Indigenous Canadians have been, Mm -hmm. or Indigenous people in Canada have been disproportionately impacted. during H1N1, for instance, um, they were disproportionately impacted, and um, the federal government actually um, was heavily criticized because uh, some indigenous leaders had asked for supplies and, you know, personal protective equipment, and uh, the federal government at the time sent some supplies as well as body bags, mm. which did not go over um, go over well. Um, this time, a lot of Indigenous 
communities have been sort of implementing their own uh, border closures um, to, to, I guess, prevent people from outside of the community from coming in. Nunavut, which is a, a northern territory um, that is uh, predominantly Inuit, um, sort of banned Canadians from outside of the territory from mm. traveling there unless they're essential workers because uh, the risk posed by the virus is, is so great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Annette, I really appreciate the call and, and the provocative question there. Let's go to Peggy in Gross Point Farms. Peggy, welcome to the, Hi. the show. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. Hi. Um, so what's on my mind is uh, what we're doing this Thanksgiving is um, staying home. We have two young kids. And we have a grandma who's by herself, um, one out of state and one in state. Um, but we've chose to stay home. And um, what's on my mind is I'm thinking that people sometimes have a problem saying no, especially mm. to people they love. Yeah. And um, it's Thanksgiving, so you can be kind and you can say, no, thank you. I'm, I'm choosing to stay home and stay safe. And if um, a couple of times I've heard friends saying we're getting together with family and I've asked them why. And I just let them sit there. And think about the question and stew on it. And sometimes they'll immediately answer something. And then I ask them again, why? And sometimes we need to ask ourselves and others the question, why, to break down an answer almost five times to really get at the root at why we're making a decision to do something. Right. Um, but I think it's okay to uh, say no. I think it's okay um, to just take a break. And honestly, I've been hosting for the last um, 10 years, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And for me, the break feels nice. <laughs> Peggy, I, I I really appreciate the call. And I think you're right about it being difficult to say no often to family. And, and there's, you know, there's one of the, one of the great uh, sort of dynamics, most powerful dynamics, I should say, in, in all families is, is guilt uh, and, and the idea of obligation and, and the idea that you might not be able to get together with someone for for Thanksgiving, I think, evokes all of those kinds of uh, all of those kinds of feelings. And so, um, it, it is tough. But you know, uh, I, Amanda, you were saying earlier that, that one of the things that they thought of trying to pitch in Canada was uh, cancel Thanksgiving so we can save Christmas. I mean, that's a <laughs> That's a great. That's a great sort of incentive, I think. Again, to address the idea that look, you will be able to see family uh, sometime, sometime soon. You just can't do it now. Um, uh, so, uh, Peggy, I, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Let's go to Marianne in Plymouth. Marianne, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. Do you want me to tell the story of what we're doing? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. I have a very extended family here, uh, three brothers and sisters who all have adult children, and they're all, we're not meeting. So we we're going to meet just separate families. So my children, who are out of town, we're going to drive in. Two, we're going to hook together and drive from California, one from New York City. And we all changed our plans. We had a Zoom meeting last week, and with all of the increases, um, and, and they all got... COVID tests ahead of time, yeah. but we felt that it was not enough. It, it just wasn't worth it to do this. Mm. And I have all this food that I'm going to make and freeze, and we're hoping to get together in California for Christmas. We'll see. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. 
Marianne, I, I uh, really appreciate the call and you sharing sharing that story. I mean, I think the, again, a lot of people are are confronting all of those same dynamics in their own families. Uh, Amanda, before we have to end the show, I want to ask you about you know people being isolated around the holidays, which is kind of the flip side of the idea that we can't get together. There are some people that means they will be alone. Um, have public officials in Canada uh, talked much about that aspect of this? Um, yes. So I guess part of the issue in the lead up to Thanksgiving was that public health officials from different provinces and territories often gave different advice. So there wasn't one, you know, main message to Canadians. Some were saying only celebrate with people who live under the same roof as you. Others were saying just keep it keep it small or celebrate outdoors. Um, but most of them did say, you know, if you if you're someone who lives alone, um, you know, maybe see if you can celebrate over Zoom or, or something like that with another group of friends. Or um, if you're one person, maybe there's, you know, you can gather with one other household. But the advice wasn't really consistent, and it, it varied from province to province and, and territory to territory. Yeah. Okay, Amanda Coletta, Washington Post reporter who covers Canada. Thank you very much for being with us here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's going to do it for us today. Come and come back tomorrow for an hour that is going to be dedicated to finding gratitude in this unprecedented year. We're going to speak with Janice Kaplan, author and host of the Gratitude Diaries book and podcast of the same name. Plus, WDET's own Satori Shakur of Twisted Storytellers is going to drop by for that conversation as well. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk more tomorrow.